0: you are listening to the podcast of First Baptist Church of Sevierville, where our mission is helping people move from their point of need to hope in Christ. For more information about our church, head on over to severe.church. Today's sermon, Hope for the Humble Mary, is part one in the series, The Songs of Christmas, Finding Hope in the Original Christmas Songs, shared by Senior Pastor Dan Spencer. Well, I'm going to ask you to find your Bible and uh, locate Luke chapter 1, the gospel of Luke and chapter 1 for our time together in God's Word today. Uh, We're going to be in Luke chapters 1 and 2 all month long. Uh, Boy, it's good to hear today the uh, songs of Christmas, isn't it? It is that time of year, and what would Christmas be without Christmas songs? I mean, I can't imagine going through this season of the year Uh, without all of our favorite Christmas songs. You know, uh, everybody has a soundtrack in their mind uh, for Christmas. Uh, It's different for everyone, but everybody has that soundtrack. Uh, Some people like the old standard sung by Bing Crosby and Tony Bennett and others like that. Uh, Some like to hear... Uh, Mariah Carey singing All I Want for Christmas is You. Uh, I think everybody likes Tender Tennessee Christmas by Amy Grant. That's a great one. And apparently some people like the song Merry Christmas Little Mama by Chance the Rapper. Uh, That's a real song. And uh, all of that music is fun. You know, it makes this time of year fun. I can't imagine this season without it. But for those of us who love Jesus, we really at this time of year want to hear the great Christmas carols, like the ones that uh, we just heard in a medley. Uh, we we love those songs. Christmas wouldn't be the same without "O Holy Night" and "Away in a Manger" and "Joy to the World." Uh, but even those great hymns of our faith that we sing at Christmas time don't measure up to the original. Christmas songs. You say, well, what are you talking about original Christmas songs? Well, if you look in Luke chapters 1 and 2, there are four songs recorded there surrounding the birth of Jesus. And for hundreds of years, the church has called them by their Latin names. The one we'll look at today, Mary's song, is called the Magnificat. Uh, Next week, we'll look at the song of Zacharias called the Benedictus. And then uh, on the third Sunday of this month, we're going to hear from the angels uh, the song called the Gloria in Excelsis Deo. We've already sung that today. And then finally on the last Sunday, uh, uh, which will be uh, not the last Sunday of the month, but Christmas Eve Sunday, uh, we'll hear the song of Simeon called the Nunc Dimittis. Uh, We call them songs because of the way that they are written in the original language. They are poetic. Uh, That gets sort of lost in translation. You can't pick up in the English language uh, the the meter and the the rhythm and the, the quality, the poetic quality of these words. So Bible translators communicate that to us in the way that they format them. In the Bible, Uh, sometimes they'll indent uh, those poetic lines. Sometimes they capitalize every line or italicize all the words in that section. And they do those things to alert you to the fact that when you're reading this section, this is different from normal. Uh, these, These words here are lyrical and they are musical in the way that they were originally Written And so what we're going to do is we're going to read through these four songs this month, and we're going to find a theme that is repeated throughout all four of these songs, and that theme is hope. Hope. What we're going to find in each of these songs, and it's interesting the way the Holy Spirit has woven these together, is we're going to find the hope that when Jesus came, Things change. Now we can have hope in this life and in the life to come. The birth of Jesus means hope has come for us. And so today we're going to go to the first one, uh, the song of Mary that is often called the Magnificat. Uh, it begins in Luke chapter 1 and verse 46. Uh, now, it's interesting to note the way that Luke uh organizes this first chapter and the way he leads up to this song. If you read the very beginning of Luke chapter 1, you'll find that as Luke wrote this gospel, he was not only inspired by the Holy Spirit, uh, but he was an inspired historian. uh, In the way that he wrote, he researched it very carefully. Uh, He uh, conducted eyewitness interviews and got all the information so that what he laid out here in the gospel of Luke is absolute irrefutable fact. And that's what we find here. And uh, so we know that at some point Luke must have sat down with Mary years after these events happened and and interviewed her and heard from Mary the things that he would never have heard from anyone else. And what he finds out is that uh, uh, there are circumstances that led up to Mary's great Song that we need to know about, and uh, here's the story he tells. Luke tells about how Mary, young woman in her hometown Nazareth, is uh, just minding her own business, and and one day uh, as she's planning for her marriage to a man named Joseph, and and thinking about all the changes that is going to bring. Scholars tell us she. She is no more than 17 or 18 years old. And as she's thinking about becoming a wife and and maybe daydreaming about someday becoming a mom, suddenly the angel Gabriel sent by God appears to tell Mary, hey, you're not going to be a mom someday in the future. Your pregnancy starts right now, even though you're still a virgin. Your pregnancy starts now. And of course... Mary asks, how is that possible? And the angel tells her, uh, this goes against everything that Mary had ever known biologically, physically, experientially. The angel tells her, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and you're going to conceive in your womb and you're going to deliver the Son of God into the world, and with God, Mary, nothing is going to be impossible. And in verse 38, we read that in in a moment of truly amazing faith, Mary surrenders to that. And and she says, Behold, the handmaiden of the Lord, let it be to me as you have said. In other words, uh, Mary looked at that angel and said, Okay. Okay, I'm the servant of the Lord. I serve him. And if that's what he wants for me, and if that's what he can do for me, then I'm in. Let it be. Let it be. And so after that statement of faith and surrender, uh, the angel departs. And then Mary is left alone with her thoughts. And we're, we're not given any information about that, except for the fact that she pondered these things in her heart, and, uh, and I'm certain it was a lot to process. Uh, I'm, I'm sure Mary thought later in a, in a little mini panic attack, wait a minute, I can't be pregnant now. Uh, what am I going to do? I, How am I going to explain this to my mom and dad, to my bridesmaids, my friends? How am I going to explain this to Joseph? What am I going to do? And we find out that she does something uh, with a, a thought that was planted in her mind by the angel. The angel had told her in verse 36 that her older cousin, Elizabeth, a much older cousin, I mean past the years where a woman can bear children old. And uh, she says, uh, the angel says to Mary, your cousin Elizabeth is herself uh, in the middle of a a miraculous pregnancy of a different kind. In fact, she's about to start her third trimester. And uh, so Mary has that knowledge. And so she begins to think, I'm going to go to Elizabeth. I'll go to Elizabeth. Uh, There was a song written by Ken Miedema a long time ago. I really like the way he frames this. Uh, He has Mary saying in that moment, uh, Go talk to Joseph, they say. I've talked to Joseph, but Joseph's a man. Can any of you ladies say amen to that? Joseph's a man. And, And there are some things a woman can understand that a man never can. And so, I'll go tell Elizabeth. She'll understand. I'll go tell Elizabeth, she'll hold my hand and she'll understand. And that's exactly what Mary did. Now, Elizabeth, uh, Luke explains, lived out in the hill country. And so Mary makes the trip out there. And as soon as she arrives, uh, two amazing things happened. The first is that Elizabeth's baby, John, leaped for joy, the Bible says, in her womb. Now, uh, you women who have uh, uh, had the experience of a pregnancy and the baby moving around, you may have had a very active child. Uh, this was out of the ordinary. I mean, John was doing gymnastics in there. He, he's leaping for joy. And then right after that, the Bible says that Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit and speaks a blessing over Mary. And the Bible says she did it in a loud voice. And so here we have Mary and Elizabeth having quite a scene there, just the two of them. Uh, Elizabeth is shouting this praise and this blessing, and Mary's just receiving this. and, And what Elizabeth said to her really confirmed for Mary and encouraged Mary that this is all true. It's all true. And out of that experience we get Mary's song of praise. And we're going to begin reading it in verse 46. And before we read it, I have to tell you, I'm I'm not sure exactly how this happened. Like the succession of events here. Uh, It could have been that the Lord just inspired Mary uh, to to give this spontaneous, uh, amazingly well-constructed poem or song uh, the Lord could have done that, uh, but I think maybe more likely is that later when Luke interviews Mary and asks about that night, and he says something like, well, what were you feeling in that moment? Uh, Mary may have said, uh, you know, Luke, I uh, as I thought about it, I, I began writing down these thoughts and, and God just gave me this this song, this poem, and uh, here's the way I felt. Here's what was going on. Here was my praise and my commitment to the Lord back then. And, and she, she gives this song. However she got it, let's read it. Verse 46, the Bible says, And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. He scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has given the hungry, uh, filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. It's quite a song. And its theme, I believe, is hope. Mary sings here about the weak. Well, the weak uh, have the hope that the Lord is going to be strong for them. She sings about the lowly. The lowly have the hope that God is going to lift them. The hungry have hope now that the Lord is going to fill them. The sinners have hope that The Lord is going to remember mercy and save them. This is a song of hope. And so uh, I'm going to give you in the time we have left today uh, what I'm learning here. And that is four hopes in Mary's song. Four hopes in Mary's song. The first is hope for the nobodies to be blessed. Now, uh, when Mary begins her praise, here's what impresses me. Nothing in her situation has changed at this point. She is still pregnant before she's married. She is still going to be looked at uh, by those who don't know the story uh, with suspicion. And with judgment, she's still going to face a lot of questions from her family and her friends and her community. She still has a responsibility to bear that nobody else on earth has ever had to bear before. She is bearing the very Son of God. None of her situation has changed. And yet, Mary grabs hold of the hope that the coming of Jesus is going to bring. And out of that hope, she sings this song. And the first of those hopes that I see here is hope for the nobodies to be blessed. Here's what I mean by that. In verse 48, uh, Mary says, God has regarded the lowly state of His maidservant. She's referring to herself. God has regarded my lowly state. Now, that's a reference that Mary is making to her own situation the reality of her situation. Uh, She took a very realistic view on all this. And Mary uh, says, in essence, look, I I know what I am. I'm a peasant girl in an occupied country. I am, in the eyes of this world, I am a nobody. Mary knew that she didn't bring anything to the table that would somehow qualify her for this task that God had chosen her to do. And Mary sings about these themes. She she, she knows the rich in, in our world, they have their money. The powerful, they have their titles and their positions. The influencers in this world, well, they have their connections, they have their followers. But the nobodies like me, we don't have any of that. We, we have nothing to offer. And so Mary knew that what God had done for her could only be described as a blessing. It's a, it's a gift of God's grace. And, and we we watch here as she processes this in this song that, that God, it's, it's a moment of wonder here, that God would reach down to a person of my low state and a person with no influence and no prestige and I'm not from a a powerful or wealthy or important family. And that God would reach down to a nobody like me and put His blessing on my life. It turns out that I'm not a nobody to God. But He would reach down and lift up somebody like me. That's why I think she said in verse 48, God has regarded my lowly state. Regarded, meaning God thought about me. God cares about me. God knows me. And I'm not a nobody to God. And then in the next verse, she says, He who is mighty has done great things for me. Can you believe that? Mary knew that there's, there was no basis for that blessing uh, in her personal worthiness. That's not what the blessing was based on. But instead, the basis for that blessing was the grace and the love of God who looked down and regarded her and knew her and chose her. And so in the first line of this song, Mary says, My soul magnifies the Lord. The word magnify there is a word of worship that means to enlarge, uh, to make greater, to make it bigger. And what she's saying is, in my heart now, I'm, I realize how small I am, how great God is. And, and I'm, just, I'm just making it bigger, what God means to me and what God has done for me. And Mary magnifies the Lord in this song by comparison over and over. Uh, the theme is, look, I may be small, but my God is big. I may be human, but my God is holy. Holy. I am unable, but my God is able. I may be a nobody in the eyes of the world, but the Lord has done great things for me. I'm not amazing. It's God who's amazing. Mary was magnifying the Lord, not herself. And her attitude was, look, I know what I am. And so I'm not magnifying me. I'm magnifying Him. He's great. I'm small. He chose me. And I serve Him. And that really is the basis of the gospel. Isn't it? That I realize that that I am unworthy. And I deserve... The only thing I deserve in this world is judgment for my sin. And yet, Jesus looked down. He loved me. He, he, He took my sin... He died on the cross so that I could be forgiven and walk away free and and saved forever. And so, like Mary, we need to make this choice. Look, He's the one who needs to be praised. I'm not going to spend the rest of my life trying to convince other people that I'm great. I I want other people to know how great God is and so my life is going to magnify Him because of who He is and what He's done. Any blessing I have, including my salvation. That doesn't come from any good thing I've done. It's all Him. My soul magnifies the Lord. And so there is hope for the nobodies to be blessed by God. Uh, The second hope that I see here is hope for the humble to be part of God's plan. Here's why I say that. Mary looked at herself as as being very humble, humble. In verse 48, she said, and it was not a false humility. This is reality for her. She said in verse 48, God has regarded my lowly state. The word lowly, an interesting word in the language Mary spoke. The root of that word lowly means not rising very far off the ground. I mean, this is low. That's how she saw herself. In the eyes of the world, a nobody. And by all accounts, Mary was not just a nobody in the eyes of the world, but along with Joseph, she was a poor nobody. Scripture shows us that. That when Mary and Joseph, after Jesus was born, uh, went to take the sacrifice for uh, the birth of their firstborn son, uh, they couldn't afford to offer the lamb that was required by law. Instead, they offered two turtle doves very inexpensive that was an exception made in the law for poor people mary was poor and yet in verse 49 she she says but the lord has done great things for me and not only that but but watch uh, what she says in verse 55 She she says, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. Now what she's referencing is God's great plan of redemption that through Abraham's seed, he would bless all the families of the earth. He would bring about a savior. And Mary is just overwhelmed here as she says, look, God has chosen this poor girl from Nazareth to bring into the world God's greatest gift. Think of that. The key to God's whole plan. He's letting me get in on that. And her attitude is, who am I to be included in God's great plan of redemption for the world? And and that's how we feel as Christians, isn't it? That when we think of the gift we have been given, the gift of salvation and the grace of God, and then we think that, that God has invited us, He's called us, He's commissioned us, To go out and deliver that great gift to other people, not just in our community, but all over the world, and we get the privilege of delivering that gift to other people, then then we ought to be overwhelmed by that and say, Lord, who am I to be included in your great plan? But what a privilege and what a blessing it is to do that, that we get to make a difference in this world and be a part of what God is doing and His great plan Uh, To get the gospel and to get redemption to the whole world. What, What an honor, what a privilege that God would look at a bunch of nobodies like us and give us that great privilege. The third hope that I see here is hope that those with nothing can end up gaining everything. Hope for those with nothing to gain everything. Uh, verse 53, you're going to like this. Verse 53 says, And he has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. So he's, he's satisfied the needs of the poor, and he sent the rich away empty. Uh, in, in, this, in this song, over and over, Mary sees the Lord in, in the sending of his Son through her, Mary sees the Lord just turning everything upside down. I mean, the rich, the powerful, the rulers of the world, they're the ones who win in the end, right? Not necessarily. No, Mary is saying because God is sending his son into this world, well, God's going to flip all of that upside down. And, And now the weak are going to end up dethroning the powerful in Christ. The nobodies in Christ, well, they get exalted. The poor end up rich. The humble replace the proud. And those who are in power, they get dethroned. Those who are relying on their money or their position or their their power over others, well, they're going to be disappointed to find that those who are nobodies in the eyes of the world in Christ are the ones who win in the end. We get everything. We we inherit His kingdom. In Christ, the sinners become the saints. The outcasts become family. And the ordinary people get to carry the hope of the world inside of them. I love how the Apostle Paul uh, writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 about how God just flips all of that upside down. Listen to what he wrote. Because Jesus has come for those who have nothing to end up gaining everything. It's the great reversal of the kingdom of God. The last shall be first and the first shall be last. The servants end up being the greatest in God's kingdom. And those who rely on anything else, they end up crashing in the end. They come to nothing. The fourth hope that I I find here that I want to end with is uh, hope for the underdogs to be the overcomers. Hope for the underdogs to end up being the overcomers in this world. In verse 52, Mary's saying, He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. What Mary says here was revolutionary back then. I mean, we we may have an idea that that Mary was this naive girl who uh, is so preoccupied with her pregnancy that she's naive and and she's unaware and doesn't care about what's going on politically in the world or or what's promised in God's Word or, or about God's kingdom. But it turns out that's not true. Mary was fully aware, and what she says here is just revolutionary. It still is. She speaks like an Old Testament prophet about uh, things like redemption and, and freedom and God's heart for oppressed people. Mary has this big vision of God as a God who reaches down into this sinful world to save the lost, to reclaim those who've been broken, to redeem those who who are locked in chains of sin and to reverse the expected outcome where those who are sinners end up inheriting everything when they put their trust in Him. And again, this is our hope, isn't it? This is our gospel. This is what we sing about this time of year and the whole year through, that a holy God would look down on a bunch of nobodies the underdogs, those who have nothing to offer him. And he picks us up and he saves us by his grace. And he makes us the sons and daughters of his love. And then he sends us out into the world as his ambassadors to tell this good news that Jesus has come. It's amazing. I I know that, uh, you're, you're just tired, and, and on the inside, you're just jumping for joy right now. But, but this, is, this is where we get our song. This is why we sing. And this is our hope. Because of His grace, we have a reason to rejoice and be hopeful. Verse 47, uh, Mary says this, My spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. Now, you need to understand, that's a choice that she made. My spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. Because when Mary sings this, nothing has changed in her situation. She's still bearing the burden. She's still going to carry the shame, the misunderstanding. But she chooses and says, my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. Rejoicing is a choice that you make. And, and you don't always feel like it. The circumstances in your life don't always make you want to say, wow, God is good all the time. The world sings a different tune about you. The world thinks you're crazy for believing the gospel and that you're a fool for even being here today. The world sings a different tune about you. The circumstances say something else in your life. But this Christmas, you can choose to hope And to sing with Mary that my God is mighty and my God is holy and my God is strong for me and my God is a lifter of the lowly and my God fills the hungry with good things and my God remembers mercy and my God knows who I am and I'm not a nobody to Him. He has included me in His family and in His plan of redemption. Wow. What a song. Let's stand together and uh, let's just pray a prayer of thanks. I don't have a song to offer like Mary's, but but I I do want to pray this prayer of thanksgiving along with you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. The fact, Lord, that even though some in this room are down, they've been dealing with sickness and grief and trouble and all kinds of problems. They've lost their hope. In spite of all that, we thank you for the hope that you give us because Jesus has come. Lord, help us to have that heart like Mary had, to realize who we are without you, and to rejoice, to choose rejoicing that You have looked down on us and You have loved us and You've called us Your own. Thank You, Lord, for that great gift. We know who we would be without You. And so we praise You. We magnify You because of who You are and what You've done for us. Lord, for those who are down today and grieving and, and sad, I pray that you would help them to just catch a glimpse of that hope that we have in Christ. That you would lift the lowly like you did for Mary. I pray, Lord, that if there's someone here today who is still lost in their sins, that they would find hope today in Jesus Christ. That they would find new life in Him. Lord, I I pray that right now, whoever that might be, who's lost and needs salvation, that they would call on Jesus for for forgiveness, to be cleansed from their sin, to have new life, and that they even now would just repent of their sin and receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I pray, Lord, a new life could begin today for them. Lord, we thank you for the hope that we have. Bless us now as we respond in obedience to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and share. And if you want a pastor to follow up with you regarding today's message, reach out to us at severe.church slash follow up. Thanks again for joining us on the First Baptist Church Severable Podcast.